Welcome. Glad to have you with us on Gary on Guns. We have a lot of ground to cover in the next, uh, well, for the rest of the program. We've got uh, the the uh, case in, that's going in front of the Supreme Court. It's uh, Rahimi, the United States versus Rahimi. It's going to be some difficult waters to navigate. We'll kick that around. we got us uh, some John Stossel on mass shootings, uh, and that includes uh, Dr. John Lott in that audio. In the meantime, from Powderhorn, Powderhorn Guns and Archery, Jared and Brian are with us, and gentlemen, uh, are you familiar with uh, the Rahimi case? I am not. Um, I'm anxious to hear about it. Well, in February 2020, he had a restraining order uh, put against him because he dragged his girlfriend and then hit her head on the dashboard of a car. After hitting her, he shot at a potential witness. He repeatedly violated his restraining order. In November 2020, he threatened another woman with a gun, leading to his arrest. Months later, police say Mr. Rahimi participated in five shootings, including in the presence of children. Uh, and uh, now they're, you know, they're trying to take his uh, right to own a firearm. Uh, it gets a little complicated, but we're going to get into this because it's going to the Supreme Court. And... It, you know, this guy is clearly a bad guy you don't want armed. We'll go over that in uh, in just a few minutes. But I don't know about you guys. I am so sick and tired of hearing about how we are just the world's leading mass shooter home. <laughs> uh, more mass shootings in the United States, blah, blah, blah. The, gun, uh, the anti-gun people are constantly uh, hammering that message out. But is it true? I don't believe so, no. I don't believe so either, Brian. And so, uh, I've got uh, John Stossel, fellow libertarian, who's done a piece on this with John Lott, who is a regular on this program. Absolutely. And uh, here we go. We'll play, this, uh, we'll play the interview. You've probably heard that America has the most mass shootings in the world. That's often given as a reason for more gun control. But economist John Lott looks into that claim, and he says it's a myth based on one bogus study. The United States has the most mass shootings. By far the most public mass shootings. You don't see murder on this kind of scale with this kind of frequency in any other advanced nation on Earth. Where'd that claim come from? Obama and everyone else base it on. A study done by University of Alabama professor Adam Lankford. University of Alabama professor Adam Lankford. This is Adam Lankford. I studied 171 countries for more than 40 years, 1966 to 2012. And essentially the answer was, not surprisingly, the United States has by far the most public mass shooters. His claim received coverage in hundreds of news stories. But all these people were misled by Langford. Langford's study claimed that since 1966, there were 90 mass public shooters in the United States, more than any other country. Langford counted 202 shooters in the rest of the world. Langford claimed complete data were available for 171 countries. But how did Langford find every shooting in all these countries, most of which don't speak English? And how did he find all the cases in the years before the internet? Few governments collect this data. Finding complete data for mass public shootings in just one developing country, say India, in the 1970s, would be an incredible feat. 
Many of these shootings would have been reported only in local outlets, in the local language. That shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. On the other hand, United States mass public shootings are well documented and hard to miss. If Langford undercounted foreign cases because he missed finding old newspapers or had trouble with language barriers, his paper's entire conclusion that the United States had the most mass public shootings would fall apart. Many journalists and researchers asked Langford for his data. Not only did he refuse to share a list of his cases or even the number of shootings he found in each country, which are nowhere in his paper, he refused to share an explanation for how he found those cases. That's academic malpractice. Asked if he used foreign languages to search for these shootings, Langford stated, my data were not limited to English language searches. Asked what languages he used, Langford refused to provide that information. This is all the assistance I can provide at this time, Langford said. Look, I've researched crime for decades, and I've published dozens of peer-reviewed academic articles on the subject. Langford won't even respond to my emails with simple questions. Now, maybe he doesn't want to talk to me because I'm well known for my research, more guns, less crime. But Langford has refused to share his list of shooters and methods, even with strong gun control advocates. This all seemed very suspicious to me. So the think tank that I run, the Crime Prevention Research Center, researched it. Unlike Langford, we took a lot of time to find all the foreign cases we could. We even got translators to identify cases. Using the same definition of mass public shooters Langford used, four or more people killed in a public place, not part of some other type of crime, we found that he grossly undercounted foreign attacks. We counted well over 3,000 shooters, at least 15 times more shooters as Langford claimed. 31% of total shooters, despite the fact that we only have 5% of the world's population. Of the 86 countries where we have identified any mass public shootings occurring, the United States ranks 62nd. Norway, Finland, Switzerland, and Russia are European countries with significantly higher rates of murders from mass public shootings. The explanation is firearm ownership rate. When Langford's data are fixed, there is no relationship between gun ownership rates and mass public shooters. There's a lesson here. Langford's critical but simple error could have been picked up if journalists had only demanded his data and methods before publicizing his study. Journalists should learn to be skeptical. In the meantime, we should all be skeptical of news coverage of studies like this that simply confirm what journalists and people want to hear. Before releasing this video, I also asked Langford for his data and methods for finding shootings in foreign language media. Langford would not provide the information. Well, that tells me that Mr. Langford's data is pretty flawed. And it seems to me, guys, that... He knows it. He, well, it sounds he, like an, an example of <clears throat> there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And yeah. you you can create an outcome if that's what you want the outcome to be based on how you put your data together and what you decide to include and what you decide to exclude. So he knowingly puts this out. And clearly he has a cause, and that's uh, gun control. 
and arrogantly refuses to share any of his research methodology, why would they purposely do this? Why would the anti-gun people purposely do this? If their goal is to protect human life, if their goal is to save their fellow man, why would they distort this kind of data that instead endangers their fellow man? If their their goal is is, is not being achieved by their uh, determination to eliminate guns, so must they not have some alternative? They do, um, but their goal is not public safety. Their goal, I don't think, is to to protect people. I think their goal is simply to ban as many guns as fast as they can. Yeah, I, I don't deny that they want to do that, but they have to have a reason to want to do that. Ostensibly, their reason is so that we'd be safer. But they, they don't have the data to back up their opinion, and so they distort data to make it appear as though this will work. And if they're distorting it to make it appear that way, they know they're wrong. So why are they motivated to keep lying to the American public? Great question. Don't know. They're so used to it by now. Hmm? I, I, I got to think there's something else to this. Um, they're, they're not stupid uh, or, or they, you know, they're not, they're not ignorant. Uh, they're cognizant of what they're doing. They've got a goal. And it's not to protect your, their fellow man. It is not to make public safety their goal. It's something else. And it's nefarious. And I think it's, frankly, to disarm Americans so we're easier to control. I sound like I should be wearing a tinfoil hat, but I'm telling you, there is no other explanation for this. That is as, the most logical conclusion. Is as Yeah, as we move politically closer and closer to socialism, more and more people will resist. And this just disarms them, makes them easier to control. There, I can't think of another, I cannot think of another reason or excuse for them to distort this information and mislead the American public to disarm them um, when it doesn't lead to public safety and they're fully aware of it. It's uh, it's frustrating uh, that it even happens. All right, we're up against the clock. We have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk about the Rahimi case on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. And uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us. Uh, we've got Jared in and Brian. And the Rahimi case is uh, it's kind of a minefield uh, for the Second Amendment. Uh, we have a, a law, 18 U.S.C., and it uh, it disarms people who have been found to pose a specific threat of domestic violence and are subject to protective orders. So uh, at least 48 states and territories have adopted similar laws that uh, continue a longstanding history and tradition of disarming those who are not law-abiding, responsible citizens. But the Fifth Circuit invalidated uh, that section on its face, holding that the Second Amendment uh, bars Congress and the United States from enacting these measures to keep firearms out of the hands of individuals uh, that may present a danger uh, to their intimate partners. 
so in this uh, Rahimi case, this guy is clearly a Cretan, and they took they took his gun. It, the, the, the Bruin decision says you have to look back historically at, at you know at what laws were accepted when uh, when the Constitution was written when that Second Amendment was put in place, and if you can't find you know historical precedents for whatever gun you're trying to ban or whoever's gun you're trying to take, then it's out. You can't do it. But the Rahimi case is, I mean, this guy is a Cretan. Unquestionably. Uh, Bad guy. February 2020, he had a restraining order entered against him for dragging his girlfriend and then hitting her on the her head on the dashboard of the car. After he hit his uh, uh, his girlfriend, he shot at a potential witness he repeatedly violated his restraining order. In November 2020, he threatened another woman with a gun, leading to his arrest months later, police say. He participated in five shootings, including uh, in the presence of children. Uh, that just is uh, drama that uh, adds to the, to the picture. Uh, according to The Reload, these facts explain why it was a smart decision for Attorney General Merrick Garland to put his case on the fast track to the Supreme Court. He's, Rahimi is, an apparently odious person, and Garland wants the court to have to choose between defending Bruin and ruin, and, and ruling in favor of Rahimi. That puts the pro-gun amici, uh, amici, you know, the amicus briefs, on a tough footing. Why isn't he in jail? You know, that would certainly resolve the problem, wouldn't it? It, it seems that it would. If he was in jail, um, there's there's not a whole lot of guns there and not a whole lot of the public targets for him to attack. Why why isn't he in jail? I don't need, I don't know how they're going to defend this. Uh, it it would it, this would be in the eyes of the media a perfect way to attack Bruin and and uh, Second Amendment supporters. You realize with the Bruin decision as it stands, uh, Cretans like this are able to arm themselves and be a threat to society. Bruin has got to go. That'll be the argument you hear in the media. Maybe not those exact words, but something pretty close to it. The equivalent, absolutely. So, how would you? How do you defend this? I, you know, I think your 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 initial response is that this guy should have been in jail. Uh, which would make this whole thing moot, but he wasn't. Maybe that is the real question. Why wasn't he? Had he been incarcerated and then released? Well, the courts aren't going to. Uh, the courts aren't going to uh, argue that you know perhaps he should have been in prison for all the other stuff that he did. They're going to argue this was a guy who's uh, you know allowed out on the street. Allowed to walk around. He wasn't incarcerated. He has, according to Bruin, the right to own and bear arms. So they shouldn't have taken his gun. Hmm. Yeah, you see the problem coming down the road? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure what the solution is. But I think this is, this is going to be a real challenge for Bruin. Because the courts either have to defy, defend Rahimi, who is a Cretan, 
or Bruin, which I think ultimately eviscerates practically every gun control law the country has ever had. And I'm frankly hoping that Bruin stands. I'm not sure how how the Second Amendment supporters navigate these waters. Uh, the reload rights uh, in uh, Espinosa v. Montana, a 2020 case involving the First Amendment's religious clause, the court's opinion that was written by John Roberts made clear that late 19th century laws inconsistent with the meaning of the original uh, Bill of Rights are not to be considered. There, the court rejected as irrelevant the meaning of the 1791 First Amendment, uh, the 30 uh, late 19th century state laws that forbade uh, government monies from going to religious-oriented schools. Another error uh, to avoid would be arguing that those committing violent crimes somehow remove themselves from the meaning of the people, as the term is used in the Second Amendment text. To allow Mr. Rahimi to be eliminated from the people, as the textual matter would would uh, open up Americans to being disarmed, even if the government can't identify a single valid uh, analog to justify the relevant modern gun control law. In other words, the Rahimi case is about history, not plain text. And the high court has already found the text is clear. Mr. Rahimi is certainly part of the people, given both Heller and Bruin uh, equated the phrase uh, with all Americans. So this guy will have a, you know, he'll have his his, uh, day in court, and it's going to affect all of us. And I, 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 I think they have to stick to their guns on Bruin. It sounds like they do. When is all of this supposed to take place? It's going to be in this uh, this Supreme Court session, which is just now kicking off. Wow. It's one of the cases they have to decide. So I'm not sure how they're going to argue it, but the outcome is going to be fascinating and potentially a landmine for people who are in support of the Second Amendment. And your initial response, the guy just shouldn't have been on the street, is absolutely right. Once once you uh, start, you know, slamming people's head into the dashboard and threatening people with a gun, you ought to be under arrest. You ought to be incarcerated. Um, so we'll, that, huh? That, it just seems like that was the sensible uh, way to have prevented all of this is after his first couple of violations, uh, lock him up. You know, I I had a conversation on Friday's show, and I'm sure you were both listening. Otherwise, Brian is going to have to get your credit card numbers. I certainly was, so uh, I'm safe. You're safe. Well, we were talking about all of this violence, these kids that storm these retail outlets uh, and steal their phones and liquor and cigarettes and clothing and all that. Yep. Well, what would happen if people were armed <laughs> on the inside? We'll, we'll kick around alternatives next on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Coming up, show and tell, my favorite part of the program. And we have Jared in and uh, Brian in from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. And uh, there's this, and I've been seeing, we've been seeing this happen more and more often, guys, where uh, some people use uh, the, uh, the Internet and their cell phones and they make plans to go to a retail 
mall or or a strip of shops, and they converge all at once, uh, 50, 60, 70 people, maybe more, and they just rip through the store, stealing whatever they want, tennis shoes, clothing. Uh, they take cell phones and, and uh, iPads. They, they take just liquor, anything. And the people inside the store are terrified, and there's just... Uh, mayhem ensues, and according to the uh, uh, a metric from the uh, uh, a group that measures theft in retail, we're at astronomically high rates. These stores are having a hard time making a profit because the theft rate is so high. And if they continue, you know, collecting on insurance, the insurance rates will offset their profits as well. Target is closing stores in Chicago and in. Uh, Portland and, and many San Francisco uh, and many other urban areas. So are other major retailers. They're just evacuating. They're they can't take the losses. So, what would happen if you were in that store, you were working in that store, and suddenly they started storming the doors and ripping things apart? Would there be sufficient threat to pull out a firearm and start shooting? That's a million-dollar question. You'd have to be in the moment and be there. Um, have these violators, have they uh, attacked or harmed people in the past? Well, you know, interestingly, uh, they've terrorized them. Um, some individuals have, in fact, when, when accosted by employees... Uh, uh, responded violently, but imagine you're you're working the store. You're you're just a cashier, and suddenly, uh, you know, a hundred people come rushing through the store, ripping things off. Would you not be afraid for your life? Would you not be concerned for your health? I'm certain that you would be. I mean, there's absolutely no question that you'd be terrified in that moment. But you can't shoot somebody for stealing. Nope, only nope. if you are genuinely, uh, you know of the impression that your life and health are in, in danger. Peril. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sticky wicked. I don't, I don't know. Um, it, this seems like a, a response where law enforcement needs to be involved, and we need lots and lots and lots of law enforcement. Uh, no, 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 no. We have to defund the police. No, 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 no. <laughs> we don't have to defund the police. We need to further fund the police. Give them a raise. Tell them you thank know, you every once in a while. Yeah, a, a, an attaboy uh, wouldn't wouldn't hurt, uh, but paying them sufficiently and paying for enough of them would help. the uh, the The story in Philadelphia, the police did respond. Uh, they did realize that it was up on social media and that it was going to happen, and they showed up on mass. and And I feel guilty about this because I don't want to see anybody physically harmed. But when those police showed up and started slamming those people on the ground, there was a part of me that cheered a little bit. Sure. Kind of enjoyed it. It's like, here, you jackass. Yeah, you've earned this. Uh, and the hubris, the hubris of these kids to think it's perfectly fine. I'm going to just go in there and take something that doesn't belong to me, perhaps destroy somebody's livelihood terrorize people because I want a big screen TV. And I don't want to pay for it. 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to pay for. It. Yeah, that's the, that's the key. It's that zero dollars uh, sale, you know, or you, you don't have to pay anything. So being armed would wouldn't really help you. It unless it, it would probably make you feel safer in the in the ultimate event that you were physically attacked. If one of these violators came in and was going to were actively physically attacking you, if you were armed, you would feel much safer in that moment. But I don't know if you could, uh, in good conscience, just brandish your firearm to turn them around and try to run them out because well, there's a whole bunch of them. And what are you going to do? Shoot somebody for stealing? No. Yeah. And is there not a part of you that thinks? And I know, and I'm not suggesting anybody ever do this. I'm just it's. There's just a part of me that thinks, you know, if it happened a few times that people got whacked while they were doing this, it would send a message. People would think, well, maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, maybe it's not going to be just harmlessly stealing a TV set. Somebody could die. Well, that it would be great if they could learn that. It would be terrible if they had to learn it that way. Yeah, and chances are they would just turn up the heat. They'd come in armed themselves. It's a frustrating situation, uh, and, and being armed doesn't seem to resolve it. Uh, the only way being armed is of uh, any value under those circumstances is if you genuinely think your life or health are in danger, uh, and you better have good video to back that up. But yep. something, there's, it's costing us all. Well, and this... The if that continues, it will cost the communities and the fact that they won't have their retail stores um, because a retail store cannot withstand that kind of financial burden. They, they just can't survive it. It is nearly impossible to make it in retail as it is. And when these kind of things happen uh, and they experience those kind of losses, I think in many cases it'll be unrecoverable and those stores will just go away. And that's what's happening. It, literally, in the city of Chicago... Their uh, neo-socialist mayor, having been, f uh, you know, faced with uh, all these retail outlets closing up and leaving the inner city, he now wants to run a government grocery store. That's, <laughs> okay. you know, I mean, that's that's ludicrous. Uh, the other, the other, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. The other thing that uh, they're doing in Ch they did in Chicago. They snapped into action, and they asked the bad guys to not shoot anybody between, I think it was 9 a.m., uh, 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. Uh, you know, otherwise it's open season. Do you think they listen? Yeah, yeah. Will they listen? No, I, I kind of doubt it. Um, in California, they've taken a different tact. Guys in California, they're passing a tax on guns and ammo. Uh, on September 13th, the California Assembly presented for Governor Gavin Newsom's signature uh, a bill that they just passed, 11% excise tax uh, on the sale of most ammunition and firearms in the state, which likely will inspire what? I guess a black market? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> and it will... It'll, it will limit or throttle the number of law-abiding citizens who are, are buying guns and ammo because it's now a financial burden has been added to them. But the people who just steal their firearms and ammunition, they're not going to experience that tax. Yeah, they're not going to pay it. Um, 
Garson, who uh, is on this program uh, on a regular basis uh, from Graphs, they sell to the entire world. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they don't do much in the way of selling to California. It's their least favorite state in the union to sell because the rules, the regulations, the taxes. It's it's just not it's just not worth it. And yet, it turns out more people are shot in California in spite of all of their rules and regulations. And also, they have more mass shootings in California than any other state in the union. And again, we were talking earlier this morning, uh, uh, earlier in the program, about how the gun control advocates queer all of their data and, and make it appear as though somehow stopping people from owning guns is the right thing to do to protect their fellow man. Uh, it, when clearly it doesn't, and California is prima facie evidence of this. California, Chicago, all of these big uh, gun ban cities, they are the, the shining light that gun control does not work. But they keep going further and further and further and doubling down. And at some point, they're going to have to wake up and realize that everything that they've done is in failure. When I look at cities like St. Louis, here in the state of Missouri, we have some of the best Second Amendment laws anywhere in the country. 100% agree. We're yeah, very, we've very got the SAPA, and we have Constitution or permitless carry and concealed carry. Uh, we, we really are a great state for, for the Second Amendment. But St. Louis is a cesspool of death. I mean, people are constantly being killed. So it sort of defies the uh, more guns, less crime thing. But I wonder if there's something else going on. Why do you suspect that cities like Chicago uh, or St. Louis, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, have such high murder rates? Is it something that the city is doing? Is it something the government is doing? Because the Second Amendment is clearly not stopping the bad guys in St. Louis or Kansas City, for that matter. Boy, any, I, I don't have any answers for that, Gary. I really don't. Yeah, these are all questions that I don't have answers for either. Uh, I suspect it's something about the big city um, and and perhaps the way they govern that makes this possible. Having a prosecutor that doesn't do their job contributes to the problem as well. Eight seven. Well, let me do this. 800-529-5572. Or you can go to GaryNolan.com, send a message. It will pop up in studio. And to that end, let's get Bobby on the line. Bobby, good morning. Oh, good morning. I was going to say that the... Uh Governor of California, Newsom, signed a bill, 2571, into law, which was effective July 1st. The Sportsman Alliance rallied and other clubs, the Safari Club and Southern California Youth Clubs. And basically what this law did is bring Second Amendment, violates the First Amendment, and it targets people that advertise. This makes marketing of any use by or illegal 
but it goes even further. Yeah, I, I thought that was already taken down. I thought that was already uh, uh, beaten in the courts. Yeah, that, it may have been. And I also have one more statistic from the NRA, and they indicate that there are more than 2 million times a year that guns are used for personal protection. Not always everybody when it's not everyone in the side, but that's the main fact in this study. And thank you for your program. Bobby, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. I'm up against the clock. Have no choice. Brian, my producer, is insisting that we play these important messages. But we'll be back on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we've got Jared in uh, from Powderhorn Guns and Archery and uh, Brian as well. And Jared, let me ask you, you know, we were seeing a surge in women buying firearms uh, over the course of the last year or two. Has that dwindled or is it still going on? Still going on. You know, uh, armed society is a good society, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think I just did. Uh, and you're right. <laughs> Uh, let's see, a message from Mike came in through GaryNolan.com. Hi, Gary. If an employee uses a firearm on the job, could he argue against a prosecutor stating that he didn't retreat or was in a last resort position, but rather he was acting in the store's interest? Uh, did he have armed security license? Seems risky to me. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, Mike, that you made uh, the uh, the question uh, answerable. I, I, I'm not sure I understand it. Um, but go ahead. I'm not sure that we have a obligation to retreat in, if you're in immediate danger. You know, obviously, you'd want to retreat if possible, but if Im danger is imminent and retreat is not an option, then um, the use of force, I think, is can be applied whether you're an employee or not but it would depend a lot on the position of the company that you're working for yes uh, yeah I, it, it all varies on the force continuum too i mean you got you know back when i was trained it was uh the equal amount of force necessary to gain and maintain control of the situation so i mean if a guy's pointing a gun at me you know that's totally different but if they're just robbing a store Eh, I don't think I'm going to pull out a gun and shoot somebody just because they're you're stealing from the store, especially if they're running away. That gets into bigger legalities right there. What a mess. What a mess. Society is uh, sort of deteriorating right around us. Um, there is a, a story, there's a piece that, uh, written at Tactical Americans, and I bring this up because... Uh, we were talking, I don't know, a couple of months ago about some weird shotgun load that they that you guys had at Powderhorn Guns and Archery that I hadn't even heard of. I, I can't even remember the caliber or what it was, but it was it was weird. And Tactical Americans has this story about weird shotgun loads. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of any of these, but they're well, it's kind of amusing. For like instance, the, Bolo. Sure. Uh, large lead balls connected by a wire that, in theory, uh, the two balls rotate around each other while in flight, and the wire would slice through anything it hit. They make all kinds of things like that. We do not carry any of those products, um, and I don't know of any retailers around that do. Uh, but you can get anything on the Internet, and, and that's, that's an example. The bolo rounds, the flashette rounds, dragon's breath. 
uh, there's a whole myriad of different kinds of ammunition that is manufactured, uh, but we don't carry it purposefully. Uh, they're wildly <laughs> inaccurate, although I guess at close range they can cause mass devastation. Uh, that said, standard buckshot outperforms it in all respects. You talked about flechette. Uh, these shells contain around 15 or more tiny metal darts uh, or flechettes, uh, and it was thought that they might be used in jungle areas because they might penetrate brush better. Uh, turns out the tiny spears don't pattern very well at all. Uh, their individual lightweight nature doesn't create great terminal energy. Uh, therefore, the penetration is dismal. And birdshot turns out to be better in every way. They keep reinventing the wheel here. Duck shot. Uh, this novelty round created by FireQuest contains 10 plastic airsoft pellets and three tiny rubber duckies. I'm not making this up. <laughs> I'm not sure what this less lethal round's purpose is other than to get a laugh well separating consumers from their money. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, flashbang. Uh, it is a 12-gauge uh, shot shell. Uh, loaded with cons with cons uh, concussive high flash payload, designed to mimic the the effects of the flashbang grenade. Uh, it reports uh, it, it well. They say it indeed uh, it does uh, flash and bang, but not nearly as bright nor as loud as a true flashbang grenade. So that turns out to be not particularly useful. Then they have uh, rubber buckshot. Uh, these rounds have been used with some success by law enforcement as a less lethal means to disperse uh, and quell rioters. But at close range, the high-velocity rounds can seriously injure or even kill. They've got a beanbag round, uh, and I've seen this Damn. used uh, with law enforcement, uh, and appears uh, pretty good. Then they have breaching. Breaching shot shells. For blasting uh, doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, they're not done. There's a clean shot, they say, works for cleaning your bore. All right. We got more Gary on Guns, including show and tell, coming up.